let's get to it. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Venezuela Diaspora Project. My name is Jesus Bolivar, also known as Chueto. And today we have the honor and pleasure to have my very good friend, Jose Ramon Morales Moncho, who's a Venezuelan from Caracas and who's a PhD candidate of public policy at the Kennedy School of Kennedy School of Public Policy, government. right? Government. government. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> Kennedy I, School I, of I Government. I, I was born in Caracas, raised in Puerto Ordaz, and then moved back mm. to Caracas for, for seven years before coming to study. So yeah, between, yeah. between Caraqueño and Guayanes. Guayanes, Guayanes. And today we, we're going to talk about uh, Moncho's work and, and latest article. I figured, I thought that it would be interesting for our uh, Venezuelan uh, audience in the U.S. to hear about, about it. So Moncho, tell us about what you wrote. Yeah, so, so, so we recently posted a, a, an article uh, with Ricard, uh, Professor Ricardo Hausman and I posted an article on uh, on what we believe Biden should try to do regarding regarding the the, the Venezuela policy of of the of the new U.S. administration, and a little bit something that that we wanted to address is uh, like this sort of narrative about Venezuela that tries to convey that there's sort of a trade-off or a or a or a dichotomy or or a conflict between the idea of negotiations and the international pressure strategy that the uh, previous administration uh, was pursuing. And, and, and sort of our, our argument is, is that uh, not only is that not the case, but that the, uh, the possibility that any negotiation can actually come about that is meaningful uh, relies on uh, foreign pressure elements uh, that, uh, that are on the negotiating table on the side of the opposition. And, and basically like the, the key premise that, that, that we believe is there is that uh, is this idea of uh, the best alternative to a negotiated agreement uh, on the side of Chavismo, right? Like every time, whenever you take a, a negotiations course, the very first thing that they try to teach you is what's the BATNA? And the BATNA is like this best alternative to a negotiated agreement. Basically, what that means is, how would you end up uh, if you do not settle in the negotiating table? And when you think of it, uh, uh, the BATNA of Chavismo right now, vis-a-vis -a, -vis a negotiation for political freedoms with the opposition, uh, and specifically for the for the allowance for for allowing a, a free and fair open a, a presidential election in the country which which is lacking since 2018 uh, right like what's what's the regime's partner uh, to to conceding that what what uh, and especially what could the opposition offer chavismo that allows them to be better off uh, than how they are right now uh, than how they are right now by conceding a free and fair open presidential election. And the more you think about it, you realize that there's nothing the opposition itself by itself can put on the table that is preferable for Chavismo than just than just turning dictatorial, right? Like than just becoming a you know increasingly authoritarian regime in a country that is still rich in resources, that has some geopolitical patrons that are protecting them uh, to some degree. And that, uh, you know, is very well geostrategically located for a bunch of like 
uh, uh, very opaque uh, businesses. So, so, uh, so if you think about it, there's nothing the opposition by itself that, that the opposition by itself can provide that would enable a negotiation for 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 political conditions and for uh, uh, for uh, an, an openness in the country. So, if you're not willing to abandon the hopes of that democratic reopening of the country, then you need to think about how to alter the domestic incentives uh, so that a negotiation can happen. Because, and, and that's another thing they teach in, in negotiation courses, it's like 90% of a negotiation occurs outside of the negotiating table. It's how those, the actors alter the set of incentives of the different, of, of the, of the different parts so as to expanding the expanding the set of issues and, and and enabling the possibility of an agreement and and if you think of that then that's exactly what what what's been happening as you start to uh, reach out to foreign 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 elements because lacking those foreign pressure elements there's not we know that there's no possible negotiation so if you want to induce a negotiation if you want a negotiation you need the foreign pressure you need uh, you need something that the opposition can negotiate in it, uh, 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 and that's 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 uh, uh, the the only thing that the opposition has right now is the fact that it has the recognition of over 60 countries of the world as the legitimate uh, executive authority in the country, and the fact that there's a, a lot of uh, economic and diplomatic pressure instruments set upon uh, regime insiders and and the regime itself. So, so yeah, that's a, a, and that's because so Moncho, you want a negotiation. That's because you so want what does a that negotiation. Mean? So for those who are listening, um, which based on my analytics are Venezuelans based in the US, what does that mean with regards to what should Venezuelans be asking of the Biden administration? So basically to continue and ramp up sanctions and, and yeah. what else can we ask of them? Yeah, no, that, that, or should that's we a, ask that's them? A, yeah, that's that's a great that's a great question. I think that what we should be asking is for the new administration not to uh, not to throw the baby, uh, you know, with the bathwater, uh, right? Like the fact that the previous administration was so uh, problematic and hateful in so many dimensions, that does not mean that in this particular uh, policy dimension. The, the approach was uh, uh, was misconceived, and uh, the general idea that you needed international pressure to induce uh, a negotiation and to induce a peaceful transition of power in, in Venezuela, uh, that was as true then as it is now. Uh, and I think that the, the the signs that we're getting from the new re, uh, from the new uh, administration uh, are quite uh, you know positive in that sense right like they recognize Guaido, they're continuing with a, a pressure strategy they're trying to, the, the, the things that they've mentioned is that they're trying to make the, the strategy more multilateral they're trying to engage with more more actors abroad uh, uh, the, the new administration obviously has a more collaborative uh, dynamic with the with the European uh, uh, with the Euro, uh, with yeah with the European Union what is the difference between what uh, the previous administration was doing and, and this one? Because it seems like the, the Trump administration was after sanctions. The Biden administration was also uh, seeking sanctions. The Trump yeah, administration it's, recognized it's those. So the, yeah, it's, yeah, it's still early, but it feels that those two key elements of recognition and pressure are still on the are still on on the on the instruments that the that the the new administration is pursuing. 
Uh, and the fact that those need to be in the table for any possibility of, of a negotiation to, to, to happen does not mean that the previous uh, administration strategy was pristine and, and faultless, right? And, uh, but, but, but thinking about how to improve the strategy uh, is very different than changing the strategy uh, uh, or, 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 or doing away with everything about the strategy. And then in that in that context, that's that's very that's very important because there are elements that can be improved. For instance, as as they're trying to do it right now, uh, the fact that the foreign pressure uh, could not be escalated beyond recognition in a way that was multilateral is a problem, and that's open. That's hopefully something that the new administration can help address. Another issue is. Can uh, can uh, a more you know a, a stronger coalition of international allies with the chaos of Venezuelan democracy uh, be a better diplomatic vessel for the interim administration in Venezuela to to discuss with the Chavismo, with the geopolitical patrons of Chavismo, right? Like with China, Russia, uh, Turkey, uh, uh, Cuba. Uh, that's that's an open question, and that's a, a new dimension in which the new administration could be very helpful and productive. Uh, and there are many others. Uh, if you think about uh, what the Trump administration did was that towards the end, they established, uh, uh, and, in the, and before also, they, they established like back channels with Chavismo, so, sort of mm -hmm. like trying to get some concession right at the end before the before the, 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 the US election. So that's also problematic because you're opening back channels, eroding the interim government's role as the person that you need to negotiate uh, with if you want any concession from the international allies of the opposition. Uh, uh, another element is the fact that whatever uh, uh, mechanisms you were thinking, uh, you were putting together regarding aid, not only were they insufficient, something that we know is that the amount of aid that goes to address the Venezuelan refugee crisis is incredibly insufficient, especially when you compare to the amount of funding that has gone to other uh, refugee crises in the world, especially Syrian uh, uh, crisis, uh, uh, which in, in scale is sort of the only one that's comparable. Uh, um, but not only has it been insufficient in, in amounts, but the aid that you wanted to provide to Venezuela inside the, the territory was very easily stopped at the, at the border. And other mechanisms that you were trying to set up in place uh, so that uh, local NGOs were, uh, were the ones to provide the aid to, to, to Venezuelans inside the country, you know, those are under a Damocles ward uh, uh, of the regime. And now there are a bunch of NGOs, that their, their managers are in prison just, just because, just because Chavismo can do it. So, so something that you could try to do is uh, leverage from easily available technology uh, that, he, uh, that is present in today's in today's world to sort of transfer resources to Venezuelans uh, in a way that Chavismo that circumvents Chavismo's grip, and that's something that Bitcoin. was done last year. It's something something like that. <laughs> that that's something that was done actually last year, right? Like there there was this initiative uh, initiative called the Héroes de la Salud, uh, uh, and this uh, allowed the Guaido administration to send money to health workers throughout the country in a way that Chavis, the Chavismo initially was trying to prevent, but couldn't. So, so mm -hmm. if, if you try to scale that to a, to a degree in which you're reaching a broader segment of the population, then now you change the dynamic because then it's the regime that's going to try not to, that's going to try to prevent 
people to download the app that you're going to be using uh, through mm -hmm. uh, through you know through limitations on the CanTV access or whatever, and then people are going to start learning to use VPNs, and then you're trying to block the VPN, and then in doing that, you're that drastically changing the domestic dynamic regarding the uh, uh, who the authority should be. Uh, you could Bunch. do the same thing for ID. Question. You could do the same yeah, thing for consultation go, let's, let's of the talk about of IDs. people. Let's yeah. talk about IDs and passport because it's something that Venezuelans abroad care deeply is the fact that we are, especially those in, of us who are in the U.S., there's no consulate or there's no quote-unquote Venezuelan representation. I mean, depending upon which one you refer to, like the interim government have people in D.C., but the folks, the Venezuelan government that controls the territory and that we some of us don't recognize, um, don't have presence in the U.S. anymore. So for any transaction that you need with the Venezuelan government that controls the territory, we have no way of doing so. So for example, if you don't have a passport and you're not in, and you're in the U.S., there's nothing you can do about that. So yeah. what could, what, how do you see that evolving and what could be done with regards to that? I mean, a very first anything. path. Maybe, maybe yeah, it doesn't matter. But, yeah. no, uh, uh, but, but uh, uh, one thing that you could do is on a on a on a very first layer is just to allow the the use of expired identification right like uh, and mm -hmm. i think that that uh, some things like that, that different con different countries have done things like that separately mm -hmm. uh, right so the us has done something like that i think colombia has done something like that but there's not been like a unified sense in which all these countries that uh, are around that that recognize the alternative the other authority in the in the country uh, are making the same stance that's that level of coordination diplomatic coordination has not been there that's another dimension in which things can improve mm -hmm. with the new administration but importantly another thing and this is not only for identification services for identification devices in in uh, abroad this could also be uh, uh, between privates within venezuela for people in venezuela right like the regime does not does not give you the regime does not give you uh, uh, passports or uh, ID cards or, or all of this when the technology is super uh, uh, you know the, the technology for a secure uh, but uh, valid and, and certain uh, ID devices uh, electronically are 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 prevalent are present in today's like technological like level. So, so there's no reason why you not, cannot have that sort of like ID on your phone or ID that you can print with a, with, a, with a QR code that then another person can scan and see that you're effectively the person that I have in front of you. And that allows for people to have ways to identify themselves in front of peers or, or, or other private in, in instances, completely, completely, you know, circumventing the fact that the regime is failing on its responsibility to provide people with identification devices both for domestic and foreign uh, reasons and then if on top of that all these 60 countries recognize those ids as valid abroad as well then that that you know uh, uh, that that's something that gets a lot of traction in terms of uh, having everyone say okay no it's clearly things can be better without chavismo and then please let's try to bring democracy back right uh, because i think that's that's sort of what's going on domestically in venezuela right now there's there's sort of this this uh, uh, sense that things are not going to change and then if things are not going to change i need to find my private you know i need to optimize privately i need to solve my problem and then that's why you end up you know with chavismo having these micro negotiations with separate uh, 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 instances so that you are like inching away of the legitimacy that you know the constitution has in the country right like it's yeah. like 
yeah. So, so, so far, continue sanctions, do it in a more uni, uh, multilateral fashion, um, use technology, leverage technology where you can yeah. to advance. Engage, um, engage, engage Chavis, most patrons. Uh, uh, yeah, be mm -hmm. more proactive. Uh, uh, and Let then, me ask and you a question. Uh, and then refresh out of the recognition of Guaido, which is something that they did, but but that would would be something good for a broader, you know, uh, more broadly, right? Like the whole coalition to, to do it. Something that happened recently, and by the way, this happened after you published our article on what should Biden do about uh, Venezuela, was the COVAX um, that the National Assembly approved uh, some funds so that we can get vaccination, which is, I think, if I think of any, like, issue that there's like a force so that the both governments reach an agreement is the COVID-19 yeah. crisis, right? Because it affects everyone. You, you don't get to show your PESUV batch and, you know, the COVID selects if you get COVID or not, or the, you don't get to show your opposition batch to see if you get COVID or not. It impacts everyone in the same way. So although there's pressures there's, to Although like there's a lot that. of discrimination, although there's a lot of discrimination in the public health system and in the kind of services sure. that some get versus others. But yeah, the virus doesn't discriminate, yeah. the, the, the system discriminates. The system does, exactly. So how do you see that playing out? Like the whole COVAX uh, thing, and if you yeah. could explain what COVAX no, is. No, I, I, I agree with that. And I think that the, 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 the re very recent events, like, like this week, uh, mm. highlight very clearly the difference in approaches between the two sides, right? Like on the one hand, you have uh, the regime saying like, we're not going to take AstraZeneca, right? Like we're going to make this stance that we do not want all these vaccines like that would Europeans. be super great, right? Like they, they are putting constraints to, to access to vaccines uh, in which they wouldn't have like a free reign over its distribution. Uh, and that's why they prefer the Russian version versus the the, the other one, uh, you know. And, and the criticism there is not a, it's not about the, the the effectiveness of the Russian vaccine, but it's about the the, the fact that they're giving it to, to uh, you know that there's no control over its distribution. Um, and then then on the opposition side, what you have is today's decision of of them. Uh, you know, approving for resources to, uh, for, you know, foreign foreign resources of the Republic to be deployed towards the procurement of, of vaccines under this, this uh, you know, open and transparent distribution device uh, in which the multilateral organizations have a role. And, and uh, you know, that, that clearly shows the difference in approach between the two. And, and that, to me, that highlights that, that, you know, if we want a country where the, the executive power is not used first to... To, to satisfy a, a, a very minor clique uh, of the population that, that that is extractive and kleptocratic and uh, and we want that to be used for the for the betterment of the people then you know uh, everything that needs to be done to address the economic and, and humanitarian crisis uh, in a more sustainable way beyond the, the the covid crisis the covid crisis is highlighting how necessary it is for 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 political so openness in the country yeah so moncho just to, for the the detail of this so most of the covax vaccine the covax mechanism they're astrazeneca vaccines is that the issue or could I, the covax I, I, mechanism allows for like uh, other vaccines to be distributed i am lacking the the, the precise details but my understanding was that the main the main the main uh, was astrazeneca the, right i think yeah. so all right awesome um moncho thank you so much for uh for this time and for uh, your work on studying what the, the US should do. 
uh, a pleasure to have you. And I hope that we, when you write your next article or, or you want to chat about Venezuela to the Venezuela diaspora, you come back again to enlighten us with your, uh, with your knowledge. I, I don't know. Anything else you want I, I, I don't know, or I don't think enlightening, but, uh, but yeah, let's, <laughs> let's, let's definitely talk. It's always, it's always fun to talk. All right. Un placer, Moncho. Nos vemos. Saludos a todos. Thank you for being here.